0: Let's pray together. Lord, we stand here in the beautiful sun that uh, that this earth rotates around, and I pray that we now also stand in the presence of your son and that our lives would rotate around him as well. Give us ears to hear and eyes to see and hearts to believe, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen, When I graduated from college in nineteen eighty five I know that makes me a dinosaur for some of you all. I went to work for the public relations department in uh, for the Atlanta Braves, and on game days, you'd be there all day, so I brought a gym bag with me to work out during the day and then after the game's over, usually it ended around ten or eleven o'clock, you would do some work and then you'd go down to the to the to the tunnel that was around the state underneath the stadium and then you would come out of the tunnel into a players personnel parking lot and not not uh, not surprisingly at that tunnel all the fans that who are real Braves fans would stand at the edge of the tunnel as we kind of came out and they would hope to get a glimpse of their favorite player maybe get an autograph maybe get a picture and so i was 22 i walked out with a gym bag and i looked like i could have been a baseball player and so the people were checking their programs and looking at the faces, and then they're checking to see my face, and then they realize, you know what, he's, he's nobody, move on. But this one particular time, this woman had a teenage daughter, and she just she couldn't wait to get my picture with her teenage daughter. And so she pushed, she kind of, this shy teenage girl maybe 16 or 17, she pushes the girl up next to me, and, and I'm trying to walk off to my, you know, Datsun 210, most of you don't even know what that is, but it looked like a big brown buffalo, it was not something a player would ever drive, and so I'm walking to my car, and I said, ma'am, you know, I'm really not in the program, you need to find somebody else, blah, 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 and, and she was so insistent, finally I said, ma'am, I'm nobody. And she said, right, but you'll be somebody someday, and I want to get a picture of you with my daughter. And, and I want to say that uh, this woman's prophecy in 1985 has come true today, because today I feel like somebody. Uh, I, I'm somebody because I get to introduce you to somebody, and that somebody is Jesus, and he's the person that I hope that you know. If you don't, I hope that you get to know or you at least have enough curiosity to find out more about. And so this is our text this, this morning, um, that John, the bi- one of the biographers of Jesus, one of the disciples of Jesus, he says he's given many signs about Jesus. There's many things that Jesus did to prove that he was the Son of God. But John only recorded a few of those, and he wants to say these few should be enough that once you hear it, once you put the pieces together of these signs and what's been prophesied from the Old Testament, you should have enough to believe that Jesus is the Christ and that when you believe, then you, then you become somebody. He doesn't say it quite that way. He says, when you believe, you have life. Life comes into your, to your soul. And John carefully selects these few signs, these few stories to put together. And here we have, right at the very end of his gospel, one, one last account. One conversation between he and this guy named Thomas. Most of us know him as Doubting Thomas. And so I'm thinking, well, John, he had a lot of material to choose from. He only chose a few things. Why did he choose this thing? Why did he choose this little conversation? What would he want me 2,000 years later to understand about Jesus and this conversation? And I would just want to point out two things. First of all, here we see the heart of the gospel. And secondly, we see the heart of God, the heart of the gospel and the heart of God. And then I want to end by asking you a question about the condition of your own heart. First of all, the heart of the gospel, the heart of the gospel, the word gospel means good news. It's, it's important to understand if you're new to the Bible, this isn't like Jesus's greatest hits. This isn't like advice from Jesus, and if you just incorporate some of his teachings, then you have a good life. No, John is reporting news. He's a biographer. He's telling you what actually happened as he walked along with Jesus. And and the gospel being news is what separates religion from Christianity. Religion is, is advice on how you might get to God. Here's the eightfold path. Here's the 10 things that you need to do. Here's the kind of life you need to have in order to get to heaven. I remember being on an airplane uh, going to India and there was a lady next to me who was from India. And so I had a chance on this long flight just to talk to her for a few moments. And I, I asked her, I said, okay, you're from India? Yes. And I understand India has sort of a different religion than America. Yes, it does. And there's there's 33 million gods in India. And I was like, wow, that's that seems complicated. Can you just tell me, do you believe in heaven? And she said, well, yeah, yeah, we believe in heaven. And I said, okay, so how do you get there? And she said, well, it's complicated. And I said, well, are you going to go to heaven? She said, not this time round. And I said, well, if you did have the kind of life to get to heaven, what would that look like? And she said, oh, you would have to do something extraordinary. I said, like, like, tell me what would be extraordinary. And she said, well, I know this one man who never laid down for 10 years. He would stand up, he would sit down, but he would never lay down. Or another man who stood on one leg for six months. And I said, okay, so that's, they're going to heaven. Oh, they're definitely going to heaven. I said, so there's a God who made you to need rest, but he doesn't want you to lay down. There's a God who made you with two feet, but he wants you to just use one for some period of time. And that's how you get to heaven. Yeah, that's something like that. See, so many other religions are religions. They're a way in which you get to God. But Christianity is news about how God came to get you. That's the biggest difference between what I'm trying to tell you today than what I would be telling you if I was from any other religious structure. Any other religious structure is, okay, here's the things you need to do, and if you do them well enough or better than most or whatever, you get in. What I'm saying is that there was no way to get in until somebody came to us. And that person was God in the flesh, Jesus Christ. The gospel is news. And Paul sums up the news in 1 Corinthians, the passage that Liz read. For what I received, I passed on to you of first importance. There's a lot of things Paul wants to say. He writes a bunch of letters in the Bible. But if he could just distill it down, he's telling you, here's, the, here's the, the middle of the target. That Christ died for our sins. He was buried. He was raised on the third day, all according to the scriptures. And then he appeared to people, appeared to Peter. He appeared to the 12. He appeared to more than 500 people at one time. So let's just think right here in this little gathering. There's probably four or 500 people right here. So so there was some gathering of people who who thought they were trusting in Christ and Christ actually showed up. And then he appeared to Paul, the Apostle Paul, and he says, look, if you don't believe me, you you don't have to believe me. You can go ask one of these 500 people that are still walking around on, on the earth. This is what Paul is saying. This is his first importance. This is the first step in a relationship or in in having faith in Jesus is that to believe that Jesus actually did something—that's the first step. Now it's important to get off on the right on the first step. Many years ago, and I hate to say you to tell you it didn't take Nancy and I took dancing lessons, and and she just couldn't get it down. But I mean, I it took for me, but for her, she just couldn't get the, the steps down. But I'll tell you what I learned in dancing lessons, other than. I can't dance, even if I have perfect instruction, is there's the little waltz they teach you, the box step. Some of you know what it is. It's kind of a ballroom dance. And to the dance step, now look, I want to say right now, we're not charging for this information right now. I mean, then we could ask you for $100 for just this information I'm giving. No charge. This is free. And so if you're on the ballroom dance floor, you're holding your partner. If you're the guy, you got to lead with the left foot. And you're going to do a little box step. So it's one, two, three, one, two, three. That's the box step. And if you do that the right way, and I know most of you are going, that's so impressive, that pastor, he can dance. If you do that the right way, then that that little dance step, you don't have to know much more, that can carry you all around the ballroom. But if you, if you're the guy, if you're the lead step, If you step with your right foot instead of your left, you're going down. You're going down and you're taking other people with you. And so Paul is trying to say, hey, when we get in this dance with Jesus, let's make sure we take the the right first step. The right first step is that Jesus did something. He actually was alive. He actually lived a perfect life. He actually died on the cross for our sins. To give proof that he has the power to defeat death, not only his own but yours, he rose from the grave and he appeared to many people. That's the first step. That's the first step of faith. That's the first step of belief. And then if you say, I'm going to take that step, I believe, then what follows is now what do I do? But you see, if you start this dance out with what do I do, you're going to fall down. You're not going to be faithful. You're not going to be successful in this relationship because you started with what do I need to do so that God loves me? And I'm concerned that maybe even many Christians in their relationship with Jesus, they took the wrong first step. They heard this message that you're hearing, and they said, okay, I've got to do something. And then as I do it, then Christ can be pleased with me, and then I can get to heaven. Do you see what happens there? I just want you to notice it's not sleight of hand. That's turned the whole gospel around to what is it about you that gets you into heaven. And the Bible isn't written that way. It's about what God has done to get to you, to bring you into heaven. That's what it's about. That's the gospel. That's the heart of the gospel. That's the good news. That's the thing that's of first importance. Now, let's go back to Thomas here. What was his problem? First Easter Sunday, Jesus appeared to all the disciples except for Thomas. I mean, they didn't have texting back then. He didn't get the memo that Jesus was going to appear what a bummer. How would you like to miss this meeting? But all the other disciples are there. They've seen Jesus and, they, and then they come up to Thomas and say, well, we've seen him. And then Thomas, of course, he says, hey, I, I haven't seen him. And if I don't see him, then I'm not going to believe. That's the that's what uh, that the, the, that is what Thomas is, is saying to to the disciples. I could believe, but I actually need to see what you've done. I need to see. I need to put my hands in your side. I need to put my hands in your hand for, so I, for, so that I can believe. Then, a few days later, Jesus comes back, and he says, Thomas, here I am. Singles out Thomas of all the twelve. And he says, I, w- I want you to put your hand in my hand. I want you to put your hand on my side. I want you to see and believe and he does and he proclaims my lord and my god but then he scolds thomas to say hey it's great that you can see and believe but it's even greater blessed are those who who don't see and yet believe in other words john's telling us there's enough information here without seeing it that you could see with your soul you could see with the eyes of your heart of jesus and who he is So it's important for us to first understand the gospel is about something Jesus has done. He's accomplished something. He's telling Thomas, I have accomplished something. I haven't just come to give advice. I'm not just giving you my greatest hits. Love your neighbor as yourself. Turn the other cheek. Walk the extra mile. If we do that, then we get the dance step wrong and we lose the heart of the gospel. So you and I have as much information as this first century people did when they heard about Jesus. And John now through the, word, the Bible is telling us here's what he saw. Do, do you believe? Do you see with your heart and soul that Jesus actually did something? That what you and I need most is not a set of instructions on how to get to God. We need a person to bring us to God and that person is Jesus Christ. Do you see that? Have you started out on the right foot? The second thing we learn this, uh, from this passage is the heart of God. In verse 25 Thomas says this, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails, the place where my place my finger uh, in that mark and place my hand into his side, I'll never believe. He he lays down sort of an ultimatum to the disciples. And then notice Eight days later, Jesus appears and he says to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands. Put your hand in my hand. Place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Now, now what's unnerving about this? What's unnerving about this is that Jesus apparently knew everything Thomas had said without ever having been with him. Now, wouldn't that make you nervous? If somebody showed up and says, I know exactly how you've been thinking, I know exactly how you've been feeling, I know all of your doubts, I know everything about you, this is what Jesus did at the woman of the well. This woman who had this terrible lifestyle, she comes to the well at noon so no one can encounter her and she encounters Jesus. And when she goes back to tell the townspeople about her encounter, she says this, he knew everything about me. What's unnerving is that Jesus, without you ever having seen him, he knows everything about you. He knows every doubt that you have. He knows every disease that you have inside and out. He knows all the pride that you have. He knows all the ultimatums that you've made in prayer to God. God, you've got to do this, and if you do this, then then I'll believe. He knows all those statements, and yet... What's unbelievable and what's even great, as good a news as the first part is that God comes towards Thomas. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13 says, No creature is hidden from God's sight. Everything is exposed to the eyes of God, whom we must one day give an account. Everything is known to God. It's like being out here in the sun. There is no shadow. There is no hidden part about your life to God. But the good news, and we see it in many places in the Bible, is that despite God knowing all that, he comes to you. He doesn't see that doubt. He doesn't see that disease. He doesn't see that pride. He doesn't see all those ultimatums and say, okay, well, I'm done with Paul. I'm going to move on to somebody else. No, he sees it. And his heart goes out to those kinds of people. And we see this as a pattern all the way through the Bible. Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter 3, they're the ones who walked away from God. And the very first thing we see happening in that passage is God comes walking back towards them. King David, as great as he was, made some terrible mistakes. Committed adultery, murdered somebody. And while David was trying to hide, God comes toward him. Peter, the the head of the disciples, the first among equals in this great, great group of 12 men, he's the one who publicly denied Jesus. And what do we see in John chapter 21, the very next chapter in in this biography? Jesus comes towards Peter. Paul, the writer of 1 Corinthians 15, he had put people to death who believed in Jesus. And as he's making his way to the next town to go more, get more people, Jesus comes to Paul. Do you see that? This is a pattern that's happening over and over again, and it's happening today. You may say, well, I believe in Jesus. I see. I think he did these things. But what I struggle with is that if he knew me, he wouldn't come to me. And what I'm saying in this passage, what I believe this passage is saying is he does see all that you are. He sees all of your doubts, all of your disease, all of your ultimatums. He sees that you spend a lifetime sort of reading the scriptures but never really digesting them like Sarah. And one day he came to Sarah to say, "This is the truth. Digest it." And Sarah Messer began to blossom in the last Eight years of her life. Came to Will Baker. Who probably thought he had enough going on with God. That was fine. But he wanted to put him on the shelf. Kind of like a fire insurance policy. I want to live my life the way I want to live. And of course, if I die, I've got my insurance policy. I get in. He was just using Jesus for himself. And yet Jesus sees that and comes towards Will Baker. Whatever your doubts are whatever strange ultimatums you've made to God, whatever disease you might have on the inside or the outside, the heart of God is to come towards you. So the heart of the gospel is that God accomplished something. The Bible isn't advice, it's news. The heart of God is that he comes towards the worst kinds of people. There's a book that we've been giving away, and there are a few left here inside if you want one, called Gentle and Lowly. And I love this one phrase from it. The dominant note left ringing in our ears after reading the Gospels is the way Jesus moves towards, touches, heals, embraces, and forgives those who least deserve it. So I want to leave you with a question this beautiful Easter morning. I don't want to just take a moment just to appreciate the beauty of this moment. Because as soon as I say amen, the kids are going to explode. They're going to go to the donuts. They're going to go to the playground. You're going to say, hey, what's, when are we going to eat? I mean, I know all that stuff's going to happen in about three minutes. So I just want to think of this moment as I ask you a few questions as a, a sacred moment on this Easter 2021. If you're a doubter. Somebody invited you to this Easter service and you're sort of religious, but you don't know. Just kind of living your life the way you want to live it. You're not a terrible person, but you don't know about the whole Jesus thing. I I want you to just ask yourself. Well, who is he? And what did he do? It's a claim so big that it's worth investigating. And if you're one of those people and you say, I, I need some help. I don't know where I would go. Then Joseph Ray's going to be over here at the information table. You can just say, I, I just need somebody to kind of walk me through the whole Christianity thing. I, I've never really quite understood it. I have some friends that are say something about it, but I don't know. You could get some help here from the people at Christ Community Church. Secondly, if you're here and you say, well, I, I believe those things happen, but I don't believe that Jesus could believe in me. I have too many failures. I have—I don't know if he, if he saw what I did, how I think, he wouldn't come towards me. I want you to know that this morning, he's trying to dispel that. No matter what you thought about on the way here, what you did yesterday, What you did 40 years ago that somehow seems to haunt you and foolishly make you believe that God couldn't love you, he comes towards you. His heart is for you. Finally, if you're here, and this would be many of us, you're a follower of Jesus, I'm really wondering if you got off on the right foot. See, you can spend your whole life in church and always lead with your right foot. Well, okay, I got some more tips from Pastor Paul today on how to live. And if I live the right way, then God's going to love me. That's not Christianity, that's a religion. That's not a relationship, that's a performance. And I'd like for you this morning to turn that around. And say, I just believe in Jesus, he's come for me. And I just need to know his absolute 100% embrace of me being beloved by Jesus. And allow that to warm up your soul in a way that say, now I want to learn how to live for Jesus. History records Thomas as the only disciple to do missions outside of the Roman Empire. Thomas, of all places, he ended up in India. The home of 33 million gods. I've been there many times. It's a strange place. Why would he go to a country of 33 million gods? Because he knew what was of first importance. That Jesus died for our sins. That Jesus was buried. That on the third day, Jesus rose again. One day Thomas was praying and someone came up from behind him and thrust a spear through his body. Why would somebody do that? Why would somebody give their lives and be in such a risky location if they didn't believe the things of first importance? And that it had not totally reoriented their life in a way that they would want billions literally billions of people to hear that there is only one true God and you can see him through this word and there's enough there to believe do you do you believe would you risk your life for it let's pray together Lord, thank you so much for the certainty of your word that we can have eyes to see and ears to hear. And I pray that as you would take uh, these few minutes in this beautiful day that that the creation itself would be screaming at everyone here, there is a creator, there is a designer. And that person is Jesus. See and believe. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing our closing song.